Hey everyone, welcome to the Beyond the Yard podcast. Today I'm here with my co-host Gavin and Yash. How are you guys doing? Doing great, Matt. Thanks for thanks for having us back. Yep. Yeah, so today we have a different episode. We're going to do a 2019 NBA redraft between all three of us. We actually haven't determined draft order yet. So we can we can do that now. Who wants who wants to go first? Yash, it's all you. I'll 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 bestow the honor to you. All right, yeah. I'll All take right, I'll it. go second. Gavin goes last. <laughs> okay. All right. I see. I see. I see how this is lining up, but we'll leave it. We'll leave it for now. <laughs> oh no, there's. I just wanted to be ahead of you. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All, right. Um, All right. So our criteria for choosing um, the the players is not necessarily just like who's the best player now. We're also factoring a bit of potential and projection into the future. So you know. You never know. Josh, Josh might just pick Jordan Poole right here. Who knows? But here we Find go. Thirty seconds. Yeah, let's let's start. All right, Josh, go for it. First pick. My first pick is not Jordan Poole. It's John Morant. Um, yeah, I took him over Zion. Uh, okay, so for a little briefing, I think right now Ja is the best of everyone from this class, um, and I think he will be going on into the future. Uh, you know, things that Ja does really well. He's one of the best in the league at getting to the paint, um, led the league in points in the paint. And with the attention he draws, he's already he's already um, in year three, a, a very good playmaker, uh, you know, good at creating, finding his teammates off of the attention he drew. Um, and he only continued to develop in that regard uh, as, he, as he grows as a passer and as a playmaker. And I think what really makes makes me enticed with jaw um uh besides the fact that uh or besides what he does offensively is his defensive potential you know typically you know small guards it's it's tough for them come playoff time uh for a variety of reasons and one of them is defensively the size and uh or the lack of it makes them vulnerable to be attacked and uh taking advantage of defensively uh whereas i think jaw has some traits that you know, in the future, though he's not uh, doing anything on that end right now, he could capitalize on uh, in later years. And that's with, you know, his, uh, his, his athleticism, first off, uh, he, he, I'm sure that if he locks in, he can uh, manage to be formidable as a man defender, um, at least against guys that are of his size. Um, and more importantly, as a help defender, I think his, his bounce, uh, his vertical presence can make things, uh, or he could use that to make things difficult and mess up actions, uh, roaming as a help defender. And I have a couple plays where, where I've seen him do that in the past, though obviously it's not consistent, um, or he doesn't show that consistently uh, right now, given his uh, offensive situation and what he's tasked to do on that end. Uh, but, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a briefing as to why I have John number one. Um, yeah, you guys want to take it away? You know, fair pick. I think the way we could talk about this is I'm going to pick Zion Williamson too, obviously. Um, and I, Gavin, what who would you have picked if you had the number one pick? I would. I would have also uh, picked Jaw. I would have picked Jaw. And I'm assuming that's probably for like health reasons. Yep. Partially yes. too. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I would have picked Zion first, despite the injury concerns. I just like kind of what we said about the. Um, what was the other probably do with like the young the young players like our top top ten players under twenty five under twenty five right yeah under twenty five I just prefer having size 
as my like main focal point guy. And I'm kind of going to rehash the points he made on that pod as well. But Zion, um, he has, he's just obviously, you know, he's bigger than Jaw. Jaw sometimes, like, if he's going to drive, like, sometimes, you know, there's just a big body in his way and he's not going to be able to finish that. Zion, on the other hand, he can kind of overcome that size just, just because he's bigger. And if he doesn't make the first shot, he has an elite second jump, gets the put back. And then also he does provide that playmaking aspect too. Like when teams throw that double at him or load up on him, he is more than adept at making those, those reads, like hitting those dump offs, hitting uh, shooters on the other side of the floor. I think he's more than capable of that and will be, especially with more game reps. So yeah, I think, I think just the size thing for me, I would just take Zion over jaw despite the injury concerns. I think even with jaw, there's injury concerns because he's just, uh, just a smaller guard and the way he, plays he's getting in the air a lot hitting bodies so i think there's also an injury risk moving forward too with jaw so that's why i would pick zion gavin you're cracking up what's going on over there well i just think it's a little i think it's a little rich to say like there's injury concerns and zion's played he's played i think the number is 85 games through his first three seasons so it's like what that's coming out to like less than 30 games a season obviously he missed all of last season and and the other 85 games have been distributed over the first two seasons. But I just think it's a little funny to bring up that job ja may get injured and Zion has been injured for the first part. But no, I agree. I agree on all fronts with you guys about your point. I, I uh, on a serious note, I do respect Zion as a player. And like, you know, he's when he is on the court, he's phenomenal and he's like remarkably efficient. I mean, I'm looking at we're look. I was we we're all looking at the table for the draft of all the players in this draft class and he's shot 60 percent from the field and i mean obviously that's the way he plays he plays like close to vasquez and bully ball and gets you down low but like no no other player even comes close and that's on significant volume and all all other things included of the pelicans and whatever team they had around him so you know i respect zion's game i would have picked a uh, jaw too i mean just down to the most important factors we've seen that his team has been successful in the playoffs to a degree. And he's been a, obviously the biggest part of that role in Memphis's um, recent success in playoffs and regular season alike. And so, you know, I think you have to respect that as a, as a top pick candidate uh, candidate and what um, that's what you're looking for in a, in a first overall pick is a guy who's going to consistently lead his team to deep playoff runs and consistent playoff contention, which, going into year four we've already seen jaw do that on a high level so i mean i think that i think for me it's pretty clear jaws first and uh ag- agree on all fronts with the points from yash that's fair uh gavin you want to move on to your third pick yeah so if so josh went one uh matt matt went two with zion i think i'm gonna take uh darius garland at three here um i think that's i think that's pretty straightforward i mean the next contenders there would probably be i mean i I, we won't preview them yet but like rj barrett and jordan Poole, which i'm sure are coming up shortly in the in the next few picks here but um yeah i think it's pretty clear from garland uh just since he's come in the league he's consistently uh, um improved his shooting improved his on-ball creation a lot i mean we saw last year playing next to allen and mobley that's been huge for him in terms of um his creation for others and just how he's progressed since his um, since coming out of Vanderbilt in 2019. And um, you know, I think, I think he's, he doesn't have the like 
the top tier athleticism jaw does um like in terms of scoring on all three levels and how he can use his body leverage his body at, in the paint and all that but his three level scoring is is definitely second in this class by a wide margin um to any of the other guys i would say and uh, i mean and that's including elite guys like jordan Poole. and you know i i think darius garland is phenomenal and has been has been continuously getting better which is all you can ask for a for a player like that and i could see him he's going to be a huge part i mean whatever happens to sexton is is still up in the air but i think he's going to be a huge part of the um Cavs franchise going forward into his uh into his max extension he just got so i think yeah there's not much question with that pick at all josh would you have taken anyone different you think uh yeah i have jordan Poole over darius garland wow i actually did not think you were gonna do that but shocking okay no i mean i was i was actually going back and forth on this i think it was a pretty uh it was a cut close decision for me uh but you know i might as well segue into jordan Poole. i think um, like you said, three level scoring Darius Garland is, is probably that guy, but I, I think what Jordan Poole does, uh, or Jordan Poole could be in that range as well. Uh, I think he's already established himself, um, in two levels, both as a slasher and as a three point shooter, where I think he'll continue, uh, to grow and, and become one of the, the premier, uh, premier players on that front, yeah, especially as a guard. Uh, but I think he, he can also turn into uh, or he can lean into his mid-range game as he continues to get pick and roll reps, um, which is really the, the area of his game where I think he's best at. Uh, it's just he hasn't gotten that sort of opportunity. Uh, Jordan Poole, he's already established himself as one of the, one of the best off-ball guards in the league. Uh, just playing within Golden State has really, uh, really brought that side out of him, but though he's had that since his rookie year, um, it's just, I, I think people don't realize that there's more than that to his game uh out of pick and roll things will simplify for him and he's uh, pretty well adept at, at making reads out of that as well which i think we'll continue to see um and all, all things put together you know there was a cut close decision again as i'll emphasize but uh, i have jordan Poole at three in, in this one so with the fourth pick you pick jordan Poole. i'm assuming right yep just to clarify okay yeah, I don't think there's once again. I guess the well, I guess the debate would be between him and RJ Barrett. Gavin, would you have RJ Barrett over Jordan Poole? Ah, that, or that was someone else, maybe. No, no, no. I, I, it would, it would be between uh, RJ Barrett and Jordan Poole. I, I don't know. I'm really on the fence with that. I, I respect either way. Whoever, I mean, I respect Jordan Poole decision wholeheartedly. I, I like RJ Barrett, and he's he's gotten progressively better with the Knicks, but. I don't think he hasn't shown that he can be that like number one, like guy, like he hasn't, he hasn't shown enough. Like, I feel like for what he's capable of or what he's shown, like he should be doing what Darius Garland's been able to do and getting better as a playmaker. And I haven't seen that from him and I haven't seen it. We haven't seen that from pool either, but it's also, that's a product of the role he's playing for the Warriors, which is, I mean, the Knicks and the Warriors are obviously in very different situations as franchises. So, you know, it makes it a little more complicated to judge, but I, I respect the pool decision. I probably would have went Jordan Poole with that as well. Hey, they might not be actually that different. Both in win now mode. Oh, okay. <laughs> ask the ask the Knicks how that's going. 
<laughs> it hasn't started yet. New era. Jalen Brunson. Come on. Oh, my bad. That's Respect. right. That's right. Savior. Yes. Uh, just to clarify things real quick, uh, I those first four guys, Jaw, Zion, RJ, and, or excuse me, Jordan Poole and Darius Garland or, were guys that I thought could be the number one player on a championship team. I mean, yeah. I thought you were going to uh, say number one pick. I was like, hold on. Oh, no, no, no. No. <laughs> no. So, I, so basically, for a better term, I, I just consider those guys like superstars or potential superstars with uh, obviously leaning more on the potential side, potential side with Jordan Poole. Um, so th- this next group of guys, which of which RJ was a part of, were guys that I thought could be like elite and you know, maybe secondary tertiary contributors to a contending level team. Yeah, I think that's a fair characterization of RJ Barrett, who I'm going to pick fifth overall. RJ, he his passing feel is not that great, which is why he's probably not higher, but he's really good at just getting to his left hand, getting to his spots, just playing bully ball. Um, I think his shot is, you know, he's had some issues with that, just mechanically even, which is not a great sign. But I think towards the end of last year, like the back half, he started to figure it out more. He also just started driving more too, just getting to the paint. Because sometimes when your shot isn't a focal point, you kind of want to prove to other people that I can hit this shot. So you start settling a little more. But in reality, like that's not the strength of his game. The strength of his game is getting to the basket. And I think I read the athletic article about it too. I'm pretty sure about his, it's kind of like a mindset shift of him starting to get to the basket more, taking the jump shot when it's there, obviously, and keep working at that. But the best part of his game is just getting to the basket. Um, just, he's also very left-handed is the other thing. I think come playoff time, like just higher level situations, like teams are going to give him some trouble with that. Um I see. I saw Gavin grinning for a second. So I was like, it threw me off for a minute. But no, I was just I was making the gesture like an inside hand finish. That's oh yeah, a yeah. Bit what we we're talking about. Yeah. yeah, like I was watching some clips for him today. Like even the right, the layups on the right side. Like there is a time and a place for the inside hand finish, but like every finish I saw was all inside hand left handed finishes. And let, he, I was watching like his points made, so he made them. But like it just goes to show you, he is a very right hand dominant player, just always driving to his left, just every, everything to his left, and the other part too. Like as I said before, the passing field is not great. Like he, it's just it's just not something that comes naturally to him, which might limit his ceiling as like a primary guy. And I don't think at this range, like you're expecting to have like a number one true primary in a championship team. I don't think that's a fair expectation if you're selecting a guy at this point. Maybe when he was drafted originally, like third overall. That might have been in, like, the plans for him or expectation-wise. But as of now, I don't – it's not something that comes naturally, and maybe it comes down the line, but I don't know if he gets the opportunity with the Knicks because just how bad their offense is. So, yeah, we can move on to the sixth pick, Gavin. All right, sixth pick. Here's – Or no, fifth. Pick gets a little, no, sixth pick. Yeah, sixth pick. Sixth six pick, yeah. yeah. Here's where it gets a little dicey. I mean, I, as I'm staring my rankings in the eye here, I'm like – trying to decide whether i'm going to change my mind but i think i'm going to stick with my guns here i'm going to go i'm going to go with deandre hunter here Boo. And just kidding just kidding so i was like it's a little i'm going to admit first that it's very contradictory that i picked deandre hunter who has been very injury prone since he's come into the league he hasn't played a single full season including only 23 games his sophomore season in the league which was his best season although small sample size but i just think you look at a guy, I remember because I'm I'm a big draft guy, I remember when he was coming out of Virginia, 
And the characterization with DeAndre Hunter was that he's never, he's not elite at anything, but he's very good at almost everything. And I think, you know, when you're looking at a guy, once we've passed all the superstar potential superstar caliber players in the first five guys we named, I think you're looking for a guy who's going to be a solid contributor as a spot up shooter, which can uh, even through all injuries and all DeAndre Hunter has been that through the first part of his career and a guy who has length on defense and athleticism and the ability to guard, you know, two through four. And I think he checks all those boxes in a, in a big way. And I think there's definitely still some struggles offensively. He's like, he's definitely when he's not a, he's not a ball stopper in the terms of like how he uses, how he's utilized on ball, but just like, he doesn't, he doesn't really have that passing feel like to make an extra pass or to make a, to make a, like a skip pass or to swing it one more to the corner. Like I, that's something I noticed when I was watching him a little bit is just, he's just kind of like, you know, he's going to get the ball and he's going to, he's going to shoot it. And like, he shoots at a high clip. It's very like, it's a very simple black and white player to understand in terms of like what he does to contribute and what he does well. And, and you know what, that's a good thing in this, in, uh, in my eyes, because I think it's, he does, he does it on a, a high level and, you know, you already have your superstar Trey Young, and so you need a, you need guys who you can put around who can defend and do the little things and be a secondary guy who can contribute. And I think I think DeAndre Hunter fits that bill, and so that's enough to get him to to six for me above some of the other guys I saw in the class. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter was uh, in, in pretty intriguing uh, pick for me. Like I, I wasn't really aware of his game really until I started looking into him last couple of days. And uh, yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty good on both ends of the, on the floor uh, defense. Yeah. He, he's a wing. Uh, he matches up, uh, can play like Gavin said, can defend two to four, pretty switchable um, gets through screens pretty well. Something I noticed. Um, and, but offensively, I think there is uh, some layers to his game uh, that he's, he's already, uh, he can he can do multiple things right now, but can also be explored in the future. Uh, we talked about the the jumper, but I think uh, he he can get that in a variety of ways, not just out of out of a spot up. They run him off of pin downs. Uh, he's able to knock, you know, he he likes the mid range. He's able to uh, get to those off of pin downs uh, and pick and roll. And I think in this off season, he's been working on his handle uh, from what I've seen. And uh, over the next couple of years or next few years, he he can. Uh, I'm sure Atlanta. If they give him prioritize his development, he can explore that avenue, getting shots off off the dribble. Um, and overall, just a, I think there's something that there is lots to DeAndre Hunter's game uh, that could be unlocked. You know, potentially, I think if if things go right, he could be uh, an All Star guy and uh, move up to like the higher end of this year. Uh, but I'm comfortable having him at six here. Yeah, I had um, DeAndre Hunter and. Keldon Johnson actually in this this area right here. I was trying to figure out who I wanted to have, and I actually had Keldon Johnson over him when I started to look into it more. I think Keldon Johnson, first of all, is a better shooter, like just even off the catch. Like you just look at like the pure synergy numbers. Um, let's see, DeAndre Hunter, no dribble jumpers, seventy eighth percentile, which is you know that's pretty good. But uh, what's his uh, Keldon Johnson? He ranked in the eighty seventh percentile. Um, so definitely a like a decent amount more or a better shooter than DeAndre Hunter. And I think eye test wise, like I just like 
Keldon Johnson's just a little more dynamic, especially off the dribble, like just getting into the paint when he's attacking a closeout. Like he'll use his body, like be physical on his finishes. When DeAndre Hunter drives, it's just a bit choppy. Like you can just tell it's not just not really a strong suit to his game. Like even when he gets those like mid post touches sometimes and like he wants to shoot that face up jumper, like it's it's just kind of predictable what he's gonna do. Like he's not really gonna put it on the deck, like give you some sort of move, get to the basket. Whereas Keldon Johnson, I just I just think of him as a more dynamic player off the dribble. I think he's a better shooter, and I think he's actually a little more fluid on the defensive end, too. Just um, just sliding his feet, moving around. It's kind of like the same thing. DeAndre Hunter kind of has the same thing as like Patrick Williams, just where he isn't. He's just, I don't know. It's what it is. It's just he's a, kind of like a choppy mover, and I Keldon Johnson doesn't really have that. I think he's a little better in all facets. So f- for me, actually, I when I started looking into Kelvin Johnson more, cause I wasn't super familiar with this game before this. Like, I think he's pretty clearly ahead of Deandre Hunter. Like, I think if you switch Kelvin Johnson, Deandre Hunter, like the Hawks would be, they might be a better team. Better team. Mm. Yeah. I think he's just a little more dynamic on offense and that's what you kind of need around Trey young. Cause like what we saw against Miami, like the Hawks were just very one dimensional on offense. Like just hopefully Trey gives you an open shot. If not, Teams are not scared of any of those guys putting the ball on the floor. Well, Cullen Johnson, like he has that like strength-based creation part of his game. So with that, um, we'll move on to the seventh pick where I pick Keldon Johnson. <laughs> Shocking. Any, I mean, after any, all any of that, that and you pick Keldon Johnson. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah, I should have probably said, you know, I'll move to my pick now and then. But, you know, we move. Any 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 pushback on the Keldon Johnson? No, I mean, I was, I was just going to say at the end of the DeAndre Hunter bit, as long as we're kind of like segueing and merging these two is that I would say the reason I picked DeAndre Hunter had, I like Keldon Johnson as well, but I, what you were saying is like, you're giving Keldon Johnson more of an on ball, like, like self-creation role. I think DeAndre Hunter in his role as a spot up three and like two way guy as a wing defender is better at that role right now and can be better than Keldon Johnson will be, is, and can be at, like, on-ball creation, like, off-the-dribble guy. And that's, like, like, I value, like, okay, that, that that was definitely confusing. I, I didn't phrase that properly. But, like, yeah, I'm lost. The role, the role DeAndre Hunter plays and, like, how he does it, he's better at the role he plays than the role that Keldon Johnson plays. I, I see what you're saying, but I, I didn't really think Keldon Johnson is an on-ball guy. I think he's just better okay. at like attacking clothes. That's like putting the ball on the floor. And then obviously, you know, if you give him like a pick and roll rep, he like, he might do a little better than DeAndre Hunter, but it's not something I'm going to like, I want to like designate a part of my offense to give to Keldon Johnson. You know, it's just something that comes in the flow, comes in the flow, but I just think he's better off the dribble just in general, like attacking closeout stuff like that over yeah. DeAndre Hunter. That, that no, was that's fair. point. Yeah, that's fair. I think I agree, but then, you know, it goes both ways. With Kellen Johnson, you know, I I uh, I agree on all fronts. I like I he was one of the players I mentioned in the players excited to see this year and the podcast we did. And so I'm just hit the note about him is I'm interested to see how his um his kind of runner floater games uh, develops this year with more on ball reps with Dejounte Murray gone. Uh, that was a big part of his game. And since he's so kind, he's like so explosive and athletic going downhill sometimes those runners would be a little out of control and it wasn't his, the most consistent part of his game. But I think if he can unlock that kind of 
balance in between driving and being able to knock down a shot and being able to have that in between game. I think that'll be a, that'll be huge for him as he continues to improve, but um, definitely no problems with him at seven. Yep. You want to move to eight Gavin? Yeah. So if Keldon Johnson's off the board now, I think, I think it's time to go Tyler Harrow. I think it's about, I think it's about time. Um, I, you know, we're getting to like Keldon, the transition from DeAndre Hunter to Keldon Johnson to Tyler Harrow feels appropriate as we go from a wing and then we have more shot creation guys and Tyler Harrow we've seen through his first few seasons with the heat and he's been surrounded by a very talented team ever since he came into the league. He's had a, he's had a strong Miami heat team around him and he's definitely um, flourished in the role they've given him in terms of being a, like a excellent shot creator and being able to hit at an amazing clip off screens, spot up shooting and being able to stretch the floor for them. And also just as a, you know, when it comes to the playoffs, he's definitely able to break a guy down in um, at, on an, on an Island on the perimeter. And, you know, he's done that at a playoff caliber level. I mean, I mean, Matt's kind of not really here. like not going to lie. It's not, it's Yash, not, I don't, I don't know what you think about it too, but like, I don't really think he can break a guy down. Yeah. And I, so I don't know, like he, he can probably get a jumper uh, and, and maybe beat a big off of like a hezzy or something, but I don't know. One-on-one it's a little shaky for me too. I, I'm not, no, I'm not saying he's going to like, he's going to get a guy going the other way, like, like clean up aisle four, but I'm just saying like, you know, he'll, he'll, he can hit, like if he creates enough separation, that's one of his strengths is that he's able to hit a shot over a guy with a little separation. Like he's not creating like a wide open shot for himself, but I I feel from what I've watched, I feel like he's been able to do it at a competent level for what the Heat needs. So you know, I'm very it. comfortable putting Tyler Harrow at eight. I mean, he definitely definitely has his deficiencies, but he's highly talented and phenomenal player from this class. I agree, he's the pick here. But just to push back on his game in general, not I sound like a hater right now. Like when he had like the little bubble run against the Lakers, like he was I was pretty impressed. Like he had some really big shots. Like he got that dog in him, you know? He got that dog <laughs> he in got him. That dog in him. Do that yeah. do the x-ray. You see it. <laughs> but yeah, just ISO-wise, like creating off the dribble, I don't really buy it that much at a high level. And also most of his stuff is gonna come off of pick and roll, right? And I just think he's pretty one-dimensional in that way. Like, he doesn't really do much in terms of setting up others. Like, it's just more him looking to find a pull-up jumper, like, coming off for, like, a pull-up three or getting to the mid-range, like, hitting kind of like a fading, like a fading step-back jump or something like that, you know. And that's not, like, it's a shot that you want to have in your arsenal, but that's, like, the complete focal point of your offense. That's a little concerning to me because he when he gets to the basket, I don't, like against any sort of rim protection, I don't really like it very much. Like he just doesn't really get off the ground well. Just finishing wise, I don't really get really buy it against like a good rim protector, or like a good defense. Yeah, what what really I agree with that. Uh, I don't think Hero's uh, going to be a primary for those very reasons. He's not athletic, and uh, as a result, he can't really get to the basket as well. Uh, though I think you know he has a little craft to his game. Uh, he, he has a pretty tight handle. Uh, which he can use to get to the basket every once in a while. Uh, but I think the reason why, and I think this is a fair spot for Hero, uh, but the reason why I think he can contribute well is because of his off-ball game. 
Um, I think he's a talented shooter off the catch and off of movement, uh, which will help him build synergy next to other talented players, other ball handlers, which he's already showcased um, next to Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, uh, playing alongside those two. And that part of his game will only continue to develop, uh, which is why I, I think this is a fair spot for Hero. Do we want to move to the ninth pick now? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's me, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, this is a guy I actually had a bit higher, uh, but I have Lou Dort here at number nine. Uh, that, that's my guy. I've been watching him, uh, or I've had him. I've had my eye on him since the beginning of the year. I've really, you know, with the off season, I've been uh, looking into him a bit deeper this, this, these past couple of weeks. But uh, I'm pretty confident having Lou Dort here. I think he's actually pretty similar to R.J. Barrett in how he plays and what he can potentially be. Uh, he's a, a strength-based creator, as we like to say. Uh, he, big body at six five-ish, um, and he has, he uses that to get to the rim. Um, playing alongside Shea, he was he's primarily an, an off the catch, an attack closeouts kind of guy. Uh, but OKC, once Shea went down, uh, I believe it was like a seven, eight game stretch. Uh, they gave him more touches, and uh, he really showed what he could do, getting to the rim off of pick and roll. Um, you know, he's one thing he does really well is uses strength against rim protectors. Uh, he's pretty athletic, so he's able to. Uh, Though at times he lacks verticality, uh, he's able to get up and uh, bump rim protectors out of the way and en route to uh, creating finishing angles. Uh, though capitalizing on that is uh, something he struggled to do. And to put it simple, he's not a very good finisher right now. Uh, but I think you know what he can do as a slasher and as a developing shooter, especially. Um, you know, this year he shot a career high on uh, pull-up three-pointers. I believe it's around like 37, 38 percent on pretty good volume. Um, and, you know, so I think there is an avenue for Lou Dort's game to expand uh, into potential all-star territory. Uh, though right now, I think he's he's just a very good, he's just a, a really solid complimentary piece. And if he doesn't expand on that, I think that still warrants him uh, being around this top 10 range. Well, I think the other part you can elaborate too, Yash, I'm not as familiar with his game, but yeah. he kind of made his role in the NBA just by being a good defender. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah there's I mean, that part too. Yeah, exactly. and that's how he that's how he cracked the rotation for that Chris Paul Oklahoma City team. So like, what's mm -hmm. what's he good on the defensive end? Yeah. Um. Again, his strength is uh the the biggest selling point with his to his game, and that that shows on the defensive end as well. Um. And a lot, uh, and that was a major part as to why he was able to match up with James Harden in those 2020 playoffs, uh, which is really where he made a name for himself. Uh, you know, back that was a bit, a bit of a bulkier Harden and. He was able to take those bumps on the chest uh, and stay in front. Uh, and, you know, that's where we talk about his lower body athleticism, his quickness. Uh, he's even at that size, he's still pretty fluid, uh, quick on his feet, and he's able to stop on a dime. And, you know, so when guys get him backpedaling, uh, he's able to decelerate to a stop, uh, get up and contest. And, you know, that makes him pretty terrorizing to match up with one on one. Um, but you know, the, the, the flaw in his defensive game right now is a screen navigation, which again, makes sense due to his, his, his size and the stocky frame. It's tough for him to get through screens, but I think in a more switch heavy defensive unit, he could really be, uh, you know, he could bring close to all defense impact. Uh, and so factoring both of those things, I think is what makes Lou Dort, uh, worthy of this selection. 
Um, we can yeah. move to – oh, Gavin, you want to add something? No, I was – no, I, I agree with that pick. You know, first undrafted free agent we included. I'll just I'll just add, like, as, just to add a, a, a thought about Lou Dort is that I feel it's unfortunate to, that, you know, that OKC has acquired a lot of, like, on-ball – I mean, all the on-ball guys they have are really impressive. I mean, they have Shea and Giddy, and then they're adding a guy like Chet. But uh, Dort was pretty – he was 70th percentile in pick-and-roll ball handler. Like, and he did that a fair amount last year. And he also was pretty like a pretty solid uh, like shots off the dribble guy, like the 87th percentile. And I just think it's unfortunate because I don't think we'll see him as much in that sort of role as Thunder move more towards contention and trying to build an identity on offense with the with the more crafty guys they have as ball handlers and Shea and Giddy. But um, but I agree with the pick. And I, I just think I just think it's interesting that he does also have those other parts of um, his game on offense, but you know, I think those will be relegated to secondary skills as um, as the Thunder continue to develop their core. So, agree. That's all fair. We'll move to the. Let's see. This is the tenth pick now. I'm going to pick Kevin Porter Jr. I don't know if that stirs any controversy between you guys or just in general, but yeah, I think I think yeah. it's fair. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Give your reasoning. Okay. So, so I just really like Kevin Porter just off the dribble game, just him as a scorer. And just scoring the ball off the dribble is one of the best things you can have as an NBA player. I value that high. I think he does that at a pretty high level. And I think if he was in a more serious situation, for lack of a better words, I think he would show off his game a little better. Obviously, there's like the off the court issues um, with the reason why he got traded to the Cavs because he, the whole lock, like the locker thing with, the game is like Tari and Prince or something, and he just lost it. And then, yeah, I mean, there's there's that issue. I'm not really factoring that in as much because I'm, you know, just I'm hoping for the best of him as a person. But just him off the dribble, I buy it. He had, a, I think, a 1.96 assist to turnover ratio. I haven't looked into his passing game enough. Um, I'll, I'll definitely say that. But just that that's a pretty good assist to turnover ratio. I think, and um, if he's able to like leverage, you know, his scoring into those passing opportunities out of the pick and roll things like that, that's a that's a really good player. I don't know if you want him to be like your true point guard moving forward because he's a lot more of a scoring mindset than distributing the ball. Maybe that's something that'll come with time. He'll develop into more more of a distributor, like right off the bat, instead of just like hunting for a shot a lot. But it's also the Rockets right now, so who knows the habits they're developing right now because I think it's a pretty poor situation. But yeah, overall, I, I just like his off-the-dribble game. That's kind of the the main part. I, I think I, I like his off-the-dribble game better than Tyler Hero. I had him right behind Tyler Hero. Um, maybe, uh, remember I said before the pod, if we put them on a court, they play one-on-one. I think Kevin Porter Jr. would win. win. Hey, shout and out there you have it, and there you have it, folks, our ball, our ball don't stop moment from beyond the arc. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right, we can move to 10 now uh or 11 11 yeah so sorry 11 11 thing um yeah man i don't know who i'm i don't know who i'm picking here i'm gonna i'm gonna go cam johnson i'm, I'm gonna add it i'm gonna throw my my other wing into it um i i mean cam johnson pretty pretty simple breakdown he's been great for um he was viewed as a reach coming into this draft i mean no one expected him to be it was a, a, it was a huge pick. reach it was like huge 
20, like yep. late first, and then he got picked in the lottery. Everyone was like, what? Yeah, I thought he was – because I remember the Blazers had the 24th pick, and I was looking at him from UNC, and I was like, this is a guy we would love. And then he went 11th overall. That also produced the famous Kobe White moment of him looking at the screen and oh, squinting yes. his eyes. And that's – Wait, oh, wait, wait. That's the love, bro. And, you know, that whole that whole meme. So Cam Johnson anyway. got picked 11th in a redraft and got picked 11th in real life. The Suns, the Suns oh, did it right. The Suns yeah, did it right. You know, it, all the pieces, all the stars aligned for this one. So, but I mean, Cam Johnson, you know, he, he just, he just does his job. Like, you know, the Suns needed, they, they had their, their, their shot creators and their, and their guys in course, Paul and, and Booker and Cam Johnson knew what he needed to do. And he did it. I mean, he's last year, 42 and a half from three on six attempts per game, like very efficient plays, plays good defense. Um, you know, can't, you can't ask much more from that. He's, He's not he's not really like a he's he doesn't do much outside of that and and you'd like to see him be maybe a little more maybe a little more statistically producing defensively like he has the length and he's a solid defender but like one, averaging less than a steal and then like a fifth of a block per game like it's just pretty middling numbers especially given his his um size and length so i mean that would be that would be just a just a basic gripe or something I've noticed looking at his numbers, but you know, overall very solid wing and, you know, deserving of the lottery pick as we look back on it three years later. So. Yeah. There really isn't too much to say about Cam Johnson's game, but I think, uh, you know, misconstruing that into saying that he's isn't good based on that is uh, the reason why I, I think teams didn't view him as high as he probably should have gone, which was 11th overall. Uh which is a good representation of his talents. Uh, I think someone that's able to contribute uh, and, and be a starting level basketball player the way I think Cam Johnson is uh, right now is, is a pretty valuable trait, even though even if he doesn't do too much outside of that. Um, and, you know, I'm all in for Cam Johnson to be here, and this is roughly where I had him. Um, but segue into my next pick. Quickly, with, quickly before Cam yeah. Johnson. Uh, with his shooting, like not only is he a good like catch and shoot guy, like he's a movement shooting guy, mm-hmm. and he still shot forty two and a half percent. Like I'm just waiting for the time for him to start over Jay Crowder. I think yeah. that'll do wonders for the Phoenix offense that's already so potent. Just with him like shaking up, like a imagine just like him like, let's say he's like weak side corner, and then you have he's like he's, his man's like the single tag, and you have DeAndre Ayton rolling, and he's like shaking up to the wing, like that's that's pretty hard to stop. And also, he's kind of bouncy too. Like he, he's had some dunks, some some dunks. So he's not super one dimensional. He he's movement shooting. The he'll, he'll get up. So but yeah, go go ahead, go ahead, Yash, with your next pick. All right. Um, my next pick is uh, someone who's similar to uh, Cam Johnson in the fact that uh, he doesn't do too much. Is not the most exciting player, but uh, is a good one nonetheless. And that's Grant Williams. Uh, Grant Williams carved carved out a very important role for the Celtics last year, uh, especially in the playoffs, you know, defensively, he's always been solid and uh, he continued to show that this year uh, in the playoffs, especially as a man defender contributing to that switching scheme. Uh, he uh, held his own to the likes of Giannis and KD, um, you know, moving his feet uh, with those guys and uh, bump or more importantly, uh, matching their physicality or exceeding it in the case of KD, uh, which is what really makes him stand out uh, as a defender. But what really made him break out this year, so to speak, was his growth as a shooter. 
uh, that really added a dimension to his game that uh, made him a, a starting level basketball player. Uh, just uh, he, his ability to knock down spot ups at a, at a very high level, one of the best in the league. He shot 41.1% on catch and shoot three or on three pointers overall and 46.9% from the corner, uh, which is one of the best marks in the league. Uh, he's a certified sniper. And, you know, throughout the year, as teams began to respect the shot, uh, he, he began and started selling out to his three-point shot. Uh, he began to counter that by attacking closeouts, uh, driving by them, and using that size and this frame of his to finish at the rim through contact. And, you know, that's an area where I think is he'll continue to develop as the years go by. He's only 22 years old. Um, and, and, you know, little things like that, um, even if he isn't uh, the most talented player, uh, is where I think he'll continue to grow and, and develop. Uh, you know, talked about attacking closeouts, but he could also utilize that size, um, you know, in, in post touches against mismatches. Something Boston really needed in the finals was uh, versatility outside of uh, versatility in their offense outside of Tatum and Brown and, you know, any avenue that can uh, bring in offensive production uh, is welcomed. And I think exploring Grant Williams in the post is, is one way to do that. Um, and also on defense is an area where you can continue to get better, uh, you know, making him even more versatile, uh, maybe developing him to, into a small ball five. Uh, and I acknowledge that that's, that was a role he was playing his first couple of years in the league. Um, and and th though like this is a different version of Grant, uh, from what I read, he was he specifically put on weight uh, in order to play that small ball five role, role just to carve out a role in the league. Uh, but now that he's, he's slimmer and established himself, uh, you know, maybe we could see more of that as he continues to uh, get better through experience. Uh, so I think this is a good spot for Grant and he can continue, continue to get past uh, where he is already right now. Yeah, I just like in that Bucks series, like when they dared him that last game to like shoot those threes like he shot it he made it and I think he had like I think he took like the most three-point attempts in like NBA history I want to say for a single game yeah that's what he said because I listened to the Gigi Redick pod that he was on and that's what he said it also like kind of in, on the intangible side of things it sounds like he's like a pretty big vocal leader on that Celtics team just from a communication standpoint like on the bench like on the floor like I think he's he's really important for that team and and for that reason like on top of like what he brings as a, like a, as in a, probably like one of the better role players in the league, he might actually should be a little higher than twelve now that I think about it. Like it's kind of the debate like do you want to have that semi high usage creator or do you want like an elite like a very high level role player? I don't want to say elite but very high level role player. It's kind of that you know whole back and forth philosophy thing. So there is a world, I think, where Grant Williams could be higher. Actually, maybe over Cam Johnson, who was our last pick, I believe, right? I think that's that's a debatable one. I had him on my board. For that. Uh, Cam is 26, yeah. 22. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Grant's only 22? Uh, or 23. I think he's on the older side because he was like a multi-year college mm -hmm. player. He also was like a scorer at like Tennessee. Uh, Gavin, I don't know if you remember that from like draft stuff. Like he was like a kind of like a, their primary like down low score yeah he was he was more well he's more of a scorer than he was he's given a role in the nba but like he i think i think he's all he was always projected as like a connector guy as like a you know kind of like kind of 
a glue guy and role player knows his knows his role in the league but yeah he very nice guy i met him at summer league that actually that year that we went in 2019 so great guy that's dope yeah he's super super nice he dapped me up no one it was actually funny as long as we're doing a little summer league anecdote like he was he was walking in the main concourse no security like literally like like Jean shorts and like a t-shirt and like jean no... shorts. Okay, I mean, he's needs to go undrafted. No, no, wait, no, time out, time out. Undrafted. Not jean shorts. No, 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 like 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 cargo shorts. So they're like lighter blue. Like they they, they looked a little weird. But anyway, Still. he was just walking. He was just walking in the main That's concourse weird. and like no one recognized him. And I, I was like, and I just walked by and I dapped him up. I was like, Grant Williams, like how you doing? And he's like, oh, it's great. Yeah, I'm just excited to be here. Like he just it was he was just like he was just there. It was so funny. And now he's like you know he was NBA finalist, big big time guy, but. Literally no one recognized him. I saw him from like 20 feet and he's just walking through a horde of people and no one saw him. So that's a big, interesting little... big dude. It's like six, six, like, yeah. Well, skinny, yeah. I mean, I'll put it like that. Yeah, no, he was, yeah, he was like, he stood like, I recognized him immediately, but apparently no one else did. So it's if he's wearing little... those jorts though, like I, pr- no, he wasn't wearing, I, do, I should have said, like, he we wasn't wearing jorts. I just remember he was wearing like a very interesting outfit and like, I don't know. No, he was not wearing George. Let me I'll clarify that. He was not wearing George. He seemed but. like the guy to wear George. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know what that means, but sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just see it. Um, okay, I'll move to my next pick. This is gonna be the 13th pick. So let's see here. This is a tough one. Cause I for I kind of did not have Lou Dort on my board. I kind of forgot. And I didn't have just, I yeah I, I forgot. also forgot Ludor, but but I res- but I respect the position. Yeah, so it kind of it kind of threw my board off like by one. So now I'm like kind of thinking about it a little bit. Let's see here. Should I do it? Should I do you it? Want, you want you want to trade your pick Wait. to me because I know who I'd pick. Um, if you say Jalen Noel, I promise you, Matt. I, I, <laughs> I promise you. I promise you, Matt. There's still well, like four or do? five players. What are you gonna do? Um, let's see here. Shoot, man. I have no idea who I'm going to pick here. Trade your pick to me. All right. Trade to Gavin. Gavin, pick Uh, you. All right. 13th pick, definitely Matisse Tybel. I'm definitely putting Matisse Tybel in there. He definitely, he definitely still in the lottery for me. Okay. Matisse Tybel kills me. He's definitely still a lottery player. It's just like, why can he not shoot like 36, 37 from three? He'd be he would be up there in the top 10 with like the likes of DeAndre Hunter or like a, like a Cam Johnson, like he'd be that elite level wing, but this guy just cannot figure out the jump shot. But I, I started off with all the negatives, elite defender, absolute one of the best on ball defenders. I mean, we've seen PJ Tucker be so elite as, you know, kind of like hounding an opposing star in the playoffs. I think that's uh, as the Sixers start to uh, transition back into their, I mean, they've always been in playoff contention, but, Deep into the playoffs, if they're matching up with a KD or eventually a Jason Tatum, I Matisse Tybel is going to be that guy to be on on the the star, and I th- he does a phenomenal job. He's he's super active at the point of attack. He gets over screens. He's athletic. He's he's long. You know, he just he he does everything super well defensively, and it's just killer that he cannot seem to find a consistent shooting role on offense because he's a he's actually an above average cutter he was pretty he was pretty good in that and he was also a good transition player but both of those things once you get to the playoffs are not like highly utilized or they're not as consistently um built into an off to a half court playoff offense and that's where he kind of gets played off the court or he sees his minutes limited even though he is an elite 
defender, but I definitely still think he uh, warrants a lottery pick. I regret trading my pick to you. I know who I would have picked now. Well, I mean, we can go back Cam to Reddish. You, but there's no way I, I would not have put Cam Reddish. Because, I mean, we're factoring the potential that. here, right? And potentially Cam Reddish, in my eyes, probably should be a top 10 pick here, right? Potential, yeah. I'll be there right now. Yeah. I mean, Which, how oh, he's you? not there right yeah. now. He's not there right now, but yeah. I just I'm so enticed by his flashes. He's such like a his, his game so smooth. It's just like his jump shots like just a little inconsistent sometimes. Like I I had a I this was like I talked about this early last season. Like he had some like big scoring outings. Like I think it might have been it might have been early regular season. Like there was like all talk about like Cam Reddish breakout season. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember that part. Oh yeah, of NBA Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a thing. And I was like, yeah, but then you look at some of his misses and like types of shots he was taking, like even like in those good games. And it was just like, this is not sustainable at all. Like there were some makes like straight on three, boom, just backboard. I'm like, what the heck? Like, just be a good shooter. Like, like at least your misses have to be straight. You can't just like hit the backboard. And also, you know, his effort kind of wanes a little bit. He, and I think defensively, you know, he, that was, he was probably better at defense earlier in his career. Than his, his offensive game was. Offensive game is, you know, getting there. It's not there yet, but he's a pretty good defender. Just, you know, just sometimes he's just not all the way there. But I just have to take him. I have to take him a little. I wish I took him higher just for the potential. Because, like, if he hits, like, just a little bit, like, he's he's already he's going to be up there as, like, an elite role player just because he's a wing that can shoot the ball, handle, and defend. Like, you can't ask for anything more than that, you know. But it's just he hasn't produced yet. And he's on New York now. Didn't play last year, even after they traded for him, which makes no sense. Like, I don't get how you trade for a guy. Give up. I'm trying to remember what they gave up. Uh, Let's see. I don't remember. They but, gave up. The, but you're right. They gave up, like, significant capital for him just for him to, like, barely even. But that kind of makes sense with Thibodeau. Like, Thibodeau is not going to take a guy who whose effort wanes defensively and who is not who's taking horrible shots. Like, that is – that is, you couldn't find a more anti-Tom Thibodeau player. Dude, like, the Knicks traded Kevin Knox, which is, okay, whatever, who cares. Um, and <laughs> and a 22 first-round pick via Charlotte really? that I think would, what did that pick turn into? 22. Was that, was that Jalen Duren? No, it says via the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, because they had two. Over the Hawks pick. Or, oh, yeah. I don't. I don't remember. I don't know. Who did the Hawks pick? Did they use? Quick Google search. Yeah, quick quickly Google. Was that? Did they get AJ Griffin? From from that? Yeah, place? yeah, they got AJ Griffin. Yep, oh. that was the guy. So yeah, I, I camera. Another he got, he, he got to be up there. All right, guy, Yash, can go pick. Go ahead. Uh, fourteen. Let's Wait, just fifteen? It's like fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. Yeah, last um, last pick, last man. Pick. And there's some some right. enticing players on the board. Let's just put it like that. There's a lot, yeah. There's a lot, yeah. Uh, I'm, looking, I'm looking at like three or four names right here, but uh, I'm gonna roll with Brandon Clark. Yeah, I think that was the one. I agree. Yep. Yeah, Brandon Clark. They had a big playoffs for Memphis and just a big role in the season as a rotation guy. Um, just super athletic. That, that's a super athletic guy. Just that's just the first thing that stands out. The man can get up. Um, and that's what allows him to function in uh, a couple different roles. You know, he's probably a, a true four, but he can function as a five just due to his ability to, uh, you know, be a, a roller and a lob threat. 
um, and also an offensive rebounder, which is where he did a lot of his damage against um, the Wolves, who were a fantastic offensive rebounding team, but can't defensive rebound. Um, and uh, I, I, he's also pretty versatile defensively. Um, he can switch a little bit, I believe, from what I have recall. Um, just a good player. He, I, I, he's also, you can also, I think he also has some uh, passing ability on that short roll when he functions as the five. Uh, I don't know, just a good basketball player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like Brent. I like Brendan yeah, Clark yeah. a lot. Um, they, I think everything what he does on the court, like different different ways he's utilized offensively, like you were saying, I think is well distributed and like he can he can do a lot because he's very athletic and Memphis gives him the freedom to do that as their big man. And so yeah, I I like that pick a lot. We love those rollers. Yes, sir. On the Beyond the Arc podcast. This was our actually first big, I would say. Oh, you know another guy we missed? Or you guys, uh, you guys missed. I would have picked him. I actually had him 11th on my board. I just didn't, I didn't pick him, but I had PJ Washington. I, I, I was looking, that was, one of, that was one of the names. Yeah. I, was, I had him 11th. I had, I, had, I, had, I had PJ Washington 11 too. I was, I was thinking. But how did he not get back, picked? <laughs> well, because I was going, I went back and looked at it and I was like, he, you know, he's kind of just been like, he's. Maybe it's more a product of the Hornets, but I just feel like he hasn't, and he's kind of like a weird in between spot because he's like bulky, but he's only six seven. So it's like, yeah, can he really be a four or five? Not really. But then he's like, like I wouldn't really put him on a trust him like defensively on the wing or on the perimeter. Like I didn't, I don't think he like moved that well. He's definitely like a four four five. I kind of buy his like off the dribble game a little bit actually. Like I think he he's pretty good on that end. Like I just don't, uh, I don't know what it, he does. It passes like, the eye test for me, you know. I don't ultimate the ultimate one. I don't know what his bankable skill is though. Like, what do you what do you think? Like, he's not, like, but it's like he's a jack of all trades type of guy. Yeah, and I, I don't if you know. talk to a certain someone on Twitter who we also had on this podcast, he's a big PJ Washington guy, and he'll tell you that he's also really good defensively, too. No, I I believe it's it. like switching and like bodying up. So no, I believe it. Yeah, I I mean I like like I. Just, reiterated to you guys i value my my three and d wing which is why tybull ended up going ahead of him with my last pick but well you know, i don't three, know how much three and d there is there, there there's a lot more d than three for sure so definitely but you know like i don't know that that's just me personally i i, I like pj washington too uh definitely honorable mention from the group okay just to reiterate we had jaw zion darius garland jordan pool rj barrett deandre hunter keldon johnson tyler hero Lou Dort, Kevin Porter Jr., Cam Johnson, Grant Williams, Matisse Thibel, Cam Reddish, and Brandon Clark last. What are some snubs Pretty. we had? I guess we can start with the obvious one. Which would be? Don't say it. Why? <laughs> I'll say it if, you, if you're not going to say it. Say it. Yo Noel. Yep. Oh, my God. I don't think so, – so you guys think he's a top 20 player from that class? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I you think you know, THT's I'm not, I'm not, a top twenty player from this class. I had him top twenty. I had top and top twenty. Who was your like so, top I mean, twenty? Mine got a little dicey, but I mean, we I I didn't finish out my top twenty. I mean, you look at a guy like Darius Baisley. I mean, no, no, no. That's, yeah, I, <laughs> talented. I that. Darius talented. I had Nasir Little. We talked about Nasir Little before. Yeah, Nasir. Yeah, Nasir Little. That, I think yeah, he was that, right definitely, on the fringe. Definitely, if you're looking at a potential guy, like we're going to continue that into the 20s, like Nasir Little could have a big year. I just, he's really struggled to kind of make that next step in his career through injuries and and trailblazer turmoil combined. 
mind, but you know, I definitely like Nasir Little as a potential guy going forward. Yeah. I'm gonna say the two guys that got pushed out for me because of the Lou Dort and then the Matisse Thibel thing was Jalen Noel and THT. <laughs> Oh my god, there's no way. There's yep. no way. They're 14-15. Wow. I, I like THT's game. Like I, that, that, I mean, that was me and Yasha's first pod we did together ever. That was that was a fun one. Yeah, LA is definitely not doing him justice. It is they are not spot up. Like he has a good off like off the dribble game. Like let him get in his bag a little bit. Let him create a little bit. But now you're like, oh, you can't shoot the ball. Then he had like a thumb injury last year, so like his shot was all off. Mm-hmm. Another guy you kind of, like, I don't know, is he top 20 Terrence Mann? No. Maybe. I think it's, I think he's that's good right now. Actually, so. yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he's, I think him he's Him or 20. like Rui Hachimura. That was the other guy. Rui yeah, really looking good in those uh, pickup games. Yep. <laughs> he looks good in runs. Hey, do you Everyone. know that gyms in Glendale, Gavin, in LA? Is it really? Yeah, that, it's Academy. That's where uh, BTI practices. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, Rui Hachimura. I don't know. Like, I I want to like Rui Hachimura because, like, you know, but he just like he loves also like a little like sixteen to eighteen footer like mid range, and it's just like that's not if you're not like super good at that. Like, it's not like gonna be sustainable, and that's why he's kind of been he's kind of plateaued since he got in the league. So. Well, he missed a lot of time last year just for personal reasons. I'm pretty sure. Too. Right. That was the other part. Yeah. That is that is true. But I just. Also, again, Washington's kind of, you know, system around him has been interesting. It, he's just an interesting fit the way he plays, like, with any team. So, I think yeah. he's top 20, though, for sure. I'd yeah. put him top 20. There's actually one guy that was in my 15 that I'd mentioned, uh, Daniel Gafford. I was – yeah, I, yeah, I really liked him in Washington last year, playing next to Russ. I don't know. I, I thought he was good enough for – Yeah, he's a solid, solid big. Like, you know, he's a solid – he probably yeah. – he's starting five, right? Yeah, he wasn't starting for them last year, but I think he, he should be. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, he should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I, think... I like Kobe White, too. Oh, sorry. What did you say, Gavin? Oh, no, I was just going to say about Gafford. Like, I prefer Clark over him. I mean, I know that was, like, the last of our 15. Like, I prefer Clark, Clark over Gafford. But Gafford did have a huge breakout year, especially when he started getting more consistent role in Washington. But I like Kobe White, too, just off the dribble passing. That's the part of the game, like. I think a little because a little bit underrated for him. Besides, like you know, he can shoot the ball. You know, it, it was a little inconsistent this year. I, th- I think he's a fine shooter. He can put on the floor a little bit, shoot off the dribble. But yeah, that passing on the move, like out of pick and roll, to me was pretty enticing when I was watching some like Patrick Williams stuff. So that's a guy to keep your eye on. Just he might get lost in the shuffle a bit for the Bulls, just because of how their team setup is. You have Lonzo and Caruso and Zach Levine ahead of him. And then Ayo's just right on his tail, maybe even surpassing him just because of his defense. So he might be in a bit of a tough spot. That might be the guy they trade, but I could see him flourish. He's definitely an NBA player. Like he's more than talented enough. But who are some other guys we did not include? Jackson Hayes, Chumo, Kiki, Nikhil Alexander, Walker, Goga, Batiste. Anyone? <laughs> Goga. Goga. Oh, I yeah. see, I like I like Goga, but like that's just the path to playing time for him. Like you got Isaiah. Yeah, Jackson, he's got a Miles bad Turner. Situation. It's just not. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing there. Chumo Kiki, another guy I just want to like, but I mean the ACL injury really threw him for a loop, and he's just never. Hey, why are you talking? Huh? ACL injury. Why are you talking? Oh my god! Stop! Oh man! Wow. That was crazy. That was, that, was that was crazy. You just brought that up. 
now. That's why. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what? My feelings are hurt. I can't continue. All right. Cody Martin, Caleb Martin, Nick Claxton. O'Shea Brissett. Eric Pascal, O'Shea Brissett, Isaiah mm-hmm. Roby, Jalen McDaniels, Terrence Davis. Those are the kind of notable guys we didn't have. Oh, Nas Reed. Yep. Oh, here we go. We have a notable bowl, bowl. backup big. Back bowl, up bowl, big. the unicorn. The original like anyone unicorn. who's in a rotation is like someone worth mentioning. Yep. No, that's fair. No, that's fair. I'm joking. I, Nas Reed, yeah, oh, that's fair. Yeah, he's skilled. Best yeah. best handle for a big and a top five handle for a five in the league? Question mark. Yeah, I will say top hey, one. <laughs> top one. I will say if like just like you know shooting my shot here like for the upcoming season, Mafundo Capengele. Oh and, man! No, he had a really good summer league. If, if you go back, he no, did. If you he, he had a really nice summer league. With I heard the Celtics. He was showing a lot more offensive versatility, like shooting the ball pretty well. And he actually showed that because he never really got a chance with the Clippers because they that was when the whole Paul George and Shea trade went down and like players just started going everywhere and he was G League whatever. But like he showed a lot of development from last year to this year in the summer league and. I don't I don't know what his status is if he's made a roster or what he's he's a two way on the Celtics right now two way with the Celtics yeah. yeah I mean I don't know what especially with the Celtics contending like I don't know what that's gonna look like but he he looked really good in summer league just hey, to, they need a backup five though I'm pretty sure they do yeah and he's and he's and he's big and lanky and athletic he's pretty so mobile too like he yeah a little, no little switching from you know yeah right. that's interesting it's not impossible. interesting it's guy. not impossible any more notable guys that we might have or are worth mentioning at least? Jared Culver. <laughs> I just remember remember we watched the that national championship game at your house, Gavin, and DeAndre we did. put him in a box. That was crazy. Texas he put him Tech in a box. Virginia. That, was, that was that was wild. Yeah. yeah. Oh I well, really thought, I really thought he was gonna be good too. Me too. I, 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 I thought what, that too. I, I thought he was gonna what, be something. I don't know what happened. I yeah, I don't know. It's just maybe just a bad development situation. That's what Minaka too, because I think he's a like he was a decently talented player. Like I don't see why he's not like a, a good role player in the league. You know? Yeah. Did he come into Timberwolves? Did he come into the Timberwolves the year they got D'Lo? Is that I think how that was, This is a 2019 out? draft, so no. No, it was. Wait, no. Oh, yeah, it, so wait, he got. That yeah, was he the, got traded. Yep. Was it? So oh, his okay. first his first full season in the league was when D'Lo's first full season was. Ah. Uh, he was traded. D'Lo was traded at the trade deadline. Yeah, trade you're deadline. right. You're right. My yeah, bad. I'm, I'm looking at D'Lo's um, career summary. Yeah, so D'Lo came in in the back half of the 2019-2020 season, and then Culver's second season was D'Lo's first season with the Timberwolves, which yeah. also doesn't, well, just definitely didn't help his development. But you know, he's he's definitely off the radar for. I might go look at some draft. you know early Jarrett Culver highlights or not highlights, but film and see see what's up. Oh, oh, James, he's go. probably out of the league. Unfortunately. Yeah, he's he's definitely. Uh, he's, gone, he's, definitely he's he's unsigned right now because he was. This was his last year. The Grizzlies that on that deal, and then, yeah, he's unders- he's the Shanghai Sharks next star. Come on, <laughs> come on, dude. <laughs> <sighs> he's gonna be the next Jimmy for that. Have a breakout year next season, just despite you. Yeah. Yep. Also, another guy. Funny. As long as we're talking international signings, like another guy from that draft, Carson Edwards. Who I who's 
like a G League like yeah. flamethrower. He actually ended up in the Turkish league. And yeah, he signed overseas. Like, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, but you know, I like Carson Edwards. He's just tiny. He just can't. He, yeah, he I can't believe the Celtics had Tremont Waters and Carson. Just like two, like tiny guards. Next, like, and then in that same G League team, the main Red Claws, and it was also they were playing with Taco Fall. It was like <laughs> oh, yeah, it was like right. Taco Fall and his sons. It was so funny. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> so disrespectful. Well, I just, you know, yeah. call how I see it. All right, I've got to wrap it up here. We're going, we're going off the rails right now. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of the Beyond the Arc podcast. I might cut this last part. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair. Thank that's you for fair. listening to the Beyond the Arc podcast. It was a pretty fun episode in the middle of the off season. We don't really know what the pod about. But, yeah, this was a, this was a fun one. And I'm pretty happy how it turned out. Yeah, thank you for listening.